All right, welcome everybody to a uh, new show here on uh, Gym Life Media and one show that I'm super excited about. And although I'm kind of introducing the show at the moment, uh, I will not be hosting this show because this show requires way too much brains for what I'm bringing to the table. However, I'm going to be a student of this craft and I couldn't think of a better guy to share his insights and his uh, knowledge of not only real estate investing, but uh, being an entrepreneur and an investor in the real world, as opposed to those of us who sometimes think we are smarter than we are when we share these type of things on social media and others. So this show is called The Sport of Investing. Is that right, Brian? The Sport of Investing? Yes, yeah. yeah. The Sport of Investing and, uh, and certainly is a sport. As many of you know out there, we've taken investments to that level of kind of uh, challenging ourselves out there to get in part or be a part of the best investments we can find in it. And it, it kind of has become that where we're challenging ourselves just like we would be in a sport. The difference is here, we're actually going to bring in guests throughout uh, this show who are let's just say sports-related, sports-minded, athletes, that kind of thing, that understand what it means to put time and effort in for success. And we thought, what a better way to blend those two worlds together. Uh, so my host, I should say, not my co-host, but my host, uh, small business owner, real estate investor, and entrepreneur, uh, and good friend, Brian Bonet. Hello, Brian. Hey, how's it going, Joe? It's, uh, I'm excited for this, man. We've been talking about this for about two months now, trying to get this set up. Um, yeah, so this show really... What I, what I found in the real estate uh, investing world is most of the successful real estate investors also compete in some type of sport, whether it's strongman, powerlifting, doing marathons or Spartan races. And a lot of that training correlates over to their investing. Like you, when you close on a house, you're, you know, you write in your, your papers, you get the deal. You're four or five weeks out from closing. That four or five weeks is just like setting up to get on stage for bodybuilding. You're, you're planning every day, okay, this has to be done, this has to be done. I have to get this key in place. And it really, the, the correlation between the two is, is quite, uh, quite real. It it's, makes the discipline and uh, the planning. Well, I would say even with the investing, right? Um, because it's funny, even in investing, is I know you're going to be getting into a lot of that because you're a really successful investor when it comes to real estate, that it's almost that alpha personality, right? That sports-minded yeah, mindset 100%. that makes you want to sort of attack these deals out there that you're yeah. finding, much like a homeowner does or when you're in that position to represent them right. to get them the opportunity to buy or be a part of selling or buying a home. Yes. Um, yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, currently, as a real estate investor, I own uh, 11 doors. And what that, that means is there's, I have 11 units um, that I rent. I have a five-unit apartment building and a six-unit apartment building, and I'm currently refinancing them so I can buy a 20-plus uh, apartment complex. The, um, I'm also a real estate uh, realtor, and I own a gym. That's, that's how I started in, the, in small business was owning my first gym. I've had a gym for 10 years. Lost one during COVID and um, got gathered all my resources together so I could keep the one one open out of three. And uh, now I'm highly very successful in my gym business doing with uh, what I've learned. Well, and I think the backstory is worth noting because our relationship started 20 years ago right. in, in the in sport itself in lifting and strongman. And, you know, for over the years of us kind of growing apart from one another, just in general life, right, we all kind of went in our own directions and we find ourselves back again sort of sharing a beer years later. 
Um, I was kind of, uh, you know, blown away by your success a little bit because not that I never anticipated it, but it's one of those things where you blink your eyes and a guy that you knew is now highly successful like you are in the real estate and business owning world. And how did that really all come about for you, though? I mean, let me interview you here for a minute because I've never really talked to you about this kind of thing. Um, well, you know, when we first met, I first started doing strongman competitions. Um, I did heating and cooling. And that job just didn't satisfy my soul. It, you know, I was chasing a paycheck. I was living paycheck to paycheck, just trying to uh, support my son. And it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And then um, actually I got a private, uh, flown to Atlanta, Georgia for a private interview for America's Got Talent to, for uh, doing strongman stuff. And while I was there, you know, I started thinking about, well, what if I get on this show? There's no way I could, I, I don't have the financial resources to leave for three months. They don't pay you while you're there if you're on the show or, you know, so, so I started to have, I was like, I gotta get everything set up. I gotta get everything organized in a row. And in doing so, I got all my bills paid up. I started doing a bunch of side jobs. And I got to the point, I was like, man, I didn't make the show. I was like, well, now I'm financially stable that I can quit my nine to five job and do my life, what my passion was to be a personal trainer. Yeah. And you know, so I was like, cool. So then I was able to start personal training. I took that same mindset of making sure my bills are paid, you know, being financially responsible. That turned into opening a CrossFit gym. That CrossFit gym, same, same principle, grew, 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 till I added a 24-hour gym onto it. And then, but using this, the principle of just not leveraging too much debt, not using um, bad credit, just paying as I went, as I profited, I'd build and build and build. And it was a 10-year process, but that is what it took in order to get where I am now. You know, it's funny you talk about kind of the process behind it because there are often times in business investing, as I gather, right, because I'm not that guy. I, I'm, an, I'm that 9 to 5 guy that is still grinding his gears every day. And, you know, there's times you work paycheck to paycheck, like probably 90% of our listeners out there that are wondering what it takes to get out of sort of that mindset first right because right. it's not just about yeah. getting out of debt right it's you, about getting out yeah, of that you mindset to, you have to make that determination i am going to quit my nine to five job and i had a date that i had to quit it by because if i made that show i was gone i was it was i was yeah. going no matter what right right whether i was ready or not so i just made sure i was ready well and i had to work two jobs I, you know i was personal training on the side i was doing heat and cooling on the side plus my main job i did everything i could so i could get there and well it's interesting to me because one of the things that i think about kind of being where i'm at right now and kind of where you're at in the investment world and i get it it's not for everybody right not i get it you could teach everybody to do it there's no doubt about that but you really have to have the desire to want to learn how to do it to apply yourself because there's things you have to give up i mean i'm certain that you weren't frivolously spending your profits and you weren't going out on the weekends and you weren't and people look at they go oh i can't live that kind of life but you just said it it was for 10 short years you're still a super young guy now that is arguably you know way more successful than you would have been just grinding your gears in a heating and cooling job 100 there's times when you know my son he remembers that our friday night was a five dollar pizza and a dvd out of a movie bin at at meyer that would cost three dollars that's and that was all I could afford right. because I was putting so much in to my business into growing, and that's that's all we had. That's and he, yeah, uh, he understood that, and it's actually helped him. He's now got the same entrepreneurial mindset yes. that I have, and yeah, 
Um, so. I didn't want to jump far ahead, but you said yeah. it before I did. Just talking to you prior to the show, your son now at, what, 18 years old? Yep. Is already in the investment game, understands it, and is being taught by you, and you're mentoring him now because yes. he's in charge of one of your units. And yeah, he, um, him and his, uh, he just leased one of my rental units, and he, he's leased it. He has to pay me for it, he's, and he's starting a, a short-term rental business inside, which is the term for that is called arbitraging. Okay. Um, and so that's when you just rent instead of owning a property and then use it as short-term rental. Um, that, and he's going to be arbitraging this unit. He's going to get this one stabilized, and then he's going to be looking for more apartments. If, if he does well in my building, as my apartments become empty, I'll just keep renting him more and more spaces, and he can turn the whole, the whole building into a short-term rental building. I love that arbitrage. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm going to write that down. See, I, I knew I knew I was going to love this but, already because I never heard of this word well, before. And what's great about arbitrage is if you find a landlord that's willing to let you sub sublease it through Airbnb and uh, uh, Verbo, is that the only cost of startup is the furniture to put in there. It's the easiest way to get into rental or into the uh, real estate investing industry is through arbitraging rental units. I never even thought that was possible. Yeah, that's really. Yeah, a friend of mine that I, uh, uh, he's out in LA. He has over a thousand arbitraged units, and some of them he doesn't even own, right? I mean, he doesn't what, own any of any them. of them. He just signs the lease and he makes like, that arrangement with the owner, right? And, and the owner doesn't care. The owner's right, getting their he, money he's either got way. A vacant property. He's getting. He, he, oh boy! It's where it benefits the landlord is the customer at the Airbnb, whoever's staying there, calls the host. Like, my son will be the f first person called. My son will have to take care of any problems before you sure. even hear, before I, gotcha. I even hear about it. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the benefits to the landlord is it re drastically reduces the, co or the uh, maintenance costs for the landlord because that person has to upkeep the apartment to pristine conditions so they have good ratings on Airbnb. That is so crazy. I mean, Jesus, in the first 10 minutes of this show, I'm already learning something. I never knew that. Yeah. And that amazes me because what an opportunity that is to be able to go into something and start to generate revenue without having to invest your own right. money, essentially, yeah. from no more than you'd already be paying to rent the place right. out. Exactly. And again, it takes the... It takes the uh, the pain and effort off the landlord's part because ultimately that arrangement then just means that that person who's arbitraging is responsible to take care of the maintenance of the property. Yep. That's a win-win situation it's if I've ever heard one. 100%. Yeah. Wow. And we know how big Airbnbs are, VFRBOs. Yeah. We run them yeah. constantly. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, we're traveling for competitions. And, yeah. You know, so it's I'm excited for him to see how he does. And Yeah, that's well, you got to be super proud, too. That's yeah, really, well, really he, awesome. Yeah. He's asking for investment books for Christmas. <laughs> his birthday present, he had me get him a, a home inspector's course. Yeah. So he could learn how to be a home inspector. So when he's looking at properties he wants to buy, he can know what to look for and what, what's good, what's bad. Dude, at 18 years old, yeah. I mean, just that's a he's wealth of knowledge. Imagine where he's going to be at 28 for shit's sake. His, his goal is by 30 to be completely financially independent where he can do whatever he wants. He's like, I want to be in a band. I'm going to be in a band if I want to. Just yeah. travel or live in California for three months a year, that's what I'm going to be able to do. Well, you know, it's funny that you bring up kind of the timeline of that, right? Because you're never too old. and But I like what he's doing. He's already kind of foreplanning the fun. Yeah. He's not saying, hey, I'm going to have that fun now. I'm going to right. foreplan it. I'll appreciate it more when I'm 30. Yep. And we both know that's true. Yeah. And maybe we didn't start off like that. No. But I think one of the big things that I think about from an investment point of view, and I'm caught in this sort of grind right now, is that, man, am I too old? 
No, you're, you're never too old. The actual, the average investor starts at 47 years old. Okay. And the reason that being studies statistically show that at 40, around 45, 46, most people start realizing their retirement plan sucks. Yeah. Their, their 401k is not going to afford them the lifestyle that they thought when they were 20, 25, starting working at this company. And you're like, oh, I just got my 401k. I got this. And then they start doing the numbers. They start learning a little bit more about uh, finances. And they're like, wait, wait a minute. I'm going to be living poor. Yeah. Work my ass off for, are we allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. uh, your show, NC-17. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know what. Uh... <laughs> you, I think so. Anybody over 18 is probably going to benefit the show. Anybody right. prior, well, they probably still benefit, but otherwise, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, they, they work their ass off, and then they don't have shit for retirement. You know, like my, my dad, before he passed, he, he worked for Ford for 30 years. And when he died, he didn't have anything. You know, but he thought, he, he bought in to that, you know, if I bust my ass, I work hard, I do this for 30 years, work at the plant, my Ford retirement, my pension, my Social Security, that's all. I'm going to live a good lifestyle. And he didn't have anything. A sad state of affairs, right? Because it's the reality of the world we live in right now. Right. And unfortunately for a lot of us who are a bit longer in the tooth are catching that information late. Yeah. But somebody like your son and these younger people that could be listening to this show or taking this sort of advice are best suited to have better success than any 100%. one of us out there. If, if anything in this world, if my son is successful in real estate, I've done my job. Yeah. And can, well, and what a great life for these young people, too. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, and if you could pull your shit together just long enough, like your son's saying, hey, I'm going to give myself a 10-year goal here, yep. you'll never look back. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Damn. And he's seen what I've done in 10 years. Right. And he, he, so he, that's, I think that's maybe where he's getting that kind of that timeline. And uh, he's like, I know if I, I go at it hard, I'll be there. Well, and the great thing about your story, Brian, is you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. No, we, you, I grew up in government subsidized housing, yeah. you know, Section 8. Um, yeah, heating and cooling guy, and, and you were just trying to bang out a living, and, and you knew that you had to do something different to yeah. make it happen. I just think that's important to, to that's an important story to tell where you came from, because I think what a lot of people think about investing, and me, again, I'm, I'm completely a blank slate here, um, is that you think that, well... I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, I don't have the education, I got everything against me in the world, but the way you're making this sound is it's not brain surgery. It's, it's not at all. I don't it's, need to go out and get a degree in this shit. No, it, it's, it's so much it's, it's very hard to make a bad real estate deal. Right. Especially if, if you're new to the game, you want to hire a real estate, you're going to have a real estate agent, right? And as long as they're competent in investing, like somebody like me, I'm a real estate agent out of Lake Orion, um, that's going to present the numbers. I'm going to break down the numbers for you and say, hey, look, this unit or this property looks like a good property. Let's go for it. You're, the chances of failing on an investment property are so slim compared to losing money in the stock market or opening your own small business. I mean, most, we know most small businesses go out of business the first year or two. You know, and right. you've invested what you'd invest in that small business you could have invested in a real estate property that has people paying down your mortgage while it's gaining appreciation while you're making money. It's that's one of the amazing things about real estate is my buildings at, um, I can pull up some numbers of what I make. I, I don't mind sharing them. Um, real quick. Let me see the, uh, but so my mortgage on, um, let's see where did I put this. Um, I make, my one one building, my mortgage is twelve hundred a month. Yeah, 
I bring in 3,800 a month on that property. Wow. My, my tenants are paying down my mortgage. Right. So you're and gaining, gaining equity. And I'm gaining appreciation. Yeah. So right now, when I bought the property, I bought the property for 220,000, five units. It's making 3,800 a month. I'm refinancing that using the 1% rule, which um, generally in commercial real estate, which a commercial multifamily is five units or more. Right. Um, residential real estate multifamily is four units or less. Um, when I, I'm refinancing that at 380, so I'll, at 380,000, so the, the equity there is 170,000, yeah, or 150,000. I'll get 70% uh, of the equity out of it, so I'll be able to pay. I'll have at that point no money into it. I have 50,000 into it now that I put as a down payment. Right. I'll pull that my money completely out of it, and I will still cash flow, and have no nothing of mine in it and getting paid right that's, that's what's great about real estate yeah you know it's you're making money three four different ways then on my taxes i get to defer all those taxes i get right off a crap ton of stuff that i wouldn't have been able to and that's going to offset the profits from my gym it's going to offset the profits from other areas of my life and by using the uh tax deferments and yeah, which say. which confuses a lot of people, right? I think, but you're making it sound like it's really not that confusing when you look at the black and white of it. It's not the gov yeah. the government wants you to invest in real estate, right? They that's and every senator, every um, House of Representatives, every person that is worth more than a million dollars has real estate in their portfolio because of the tax benefits, right? It's that you can't beat it. It's a direct write off. Right. And that's as a, cause you really create a business for yourself. So right. to be clear, you're not Brian Bonet, the real estate investor. You've created a business for yeah. yourself that allows yourself to then take advantage of these write-offs that, uh, that cover your entire portfolio Yes, yeah, as so, a business owner and right. also a real estate investor. Yeah, so my, my, my real estate investing is BYT Realty LLC. Yep. That's both my units are in that under that uh, LLC and any future, future ones I buy will be under that LLC, or I may open up a second, third LLC, like if I do any uh, investments out of state, or right, know. right, gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's so it's that's one of the. It, it's amazing how how much money can be made. Yeah, but that sounds it. Yeah, it really it's amazing to me too. But is there really? You mentioned there's not a bad real estate investment, but are there bad investors? Uh, yes. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, there's always bad investors. Yeah. That's where. Seeking somebody with knowledge yeah. helps. Like, um, ha ha like bigger, bigger Pockets is one of the biggest real estate investors website there is. Yeah, and they um, they have preferred real estate agents. I'm the preferred real estate agent for the Flint area. Okay. So if you go on there and you seek, and you you're looking into investing, you type in I'm looking in the Flint area. I think I cover Flint and 30 miles all around Flint. Yeah. Because I'm the preferred. Uh, agent for the area so they'll basically give me your contact information and i'll call you and yeah um we'll get something set up um but that's what you want to work with a real estate agent that is investor friendly okay that has some investments of their own a lot of a lot of the agents have no idea how to even do the numbers on a property right. to figure out if it's worth their worth buying yeah. yeah, it's funny, and I'm certainly, and again, I'm going to just say it the way I see it because I'm that guy right now. When I think about real estate people in general, I just think of used car people that sell houses. 
I really don't think I'm getting the straightforward answer. Yeah. I almost feel like it's a bit of a teeth sharpening as well as pencil sharpening. And I don't feel like I'm if I was going into the market to look for an investment property that, yeah, I guess you kind of said it, right? Who do you trust? Right. Because if I'm not dealing with somebody that understands the idea of investing and what I want to do with it, then really that's all I'm working with is a used car salesman, I'm exactly. guessing. Yeah they, yeah, they don't know what's inside the engine or how well the engine runs or yeah. how long those tires have been on there. They, they really don't know anything. Yeah. So you, you definitely want somebody that specializes in investing. I don't even work with like people trying to find their forever home. Yeah. I'll pass that on to another agent because I only work with investors. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's key. And, and I didn't realize that those I guess I could have thought about it hard, but I didn't realize how easy it was to get in touch with those kind of people like yeah. getting in touch with you would be uh, on that website. What was that website again? It's BiggerPockets. BiggerPockets. Oh, that yeah. makes sense, right? BiggerPockets. That makes right. sense. It's, yeah. It's, right. it's the biggest real estate investing platform. And it really is specifically for that. In, yes. Okay. And in, yeah. in large part, you can find those people there, yeah. and no matter where you're at, to find out what they need yeah. to do. And that isn't a promo for that website at no, all. We get nothing not. for that. It's, it's yeah. just good to know because I didn't know about that. That's, that's, that's actually how, you know, Finding their podcast was how gotcha. I got to where I am now. Is that's when I started studying when I was losing everything in COVID. I was like, I got to shift. I got, I, yeah. I have to, I have to go towards something else. And I uh, think that's why a show like this really coming from just sort of a couple blue collar guys, right, and one that has done pretty well for himself, understanding that process now, not having somebody there to mentor him, not some having somebody there to give them the resources, but rather having to discover it for yourself. Because a lot of people now are in your position. In my position, right, coming right. out of COVID, they're still not there, right? And they're still searching for that opportunity. And we're we're in the, getting ready to go into the middle of a big recession. Yeah, you know, inflation's at eight percent. Yeah, you know, it's people are going to start losing their jobs. People are going to start losing their houses. People are there's we have a lot of turmoil ahead of us, and right now is a great time to fo- refocus and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to get into the real estate game. Yeah, single family houses might be inflated right now. Yeah. But you can still, you can go into Flint. You can buy a, uh, a turnkey. Turnkey means that when you buy it, you can rent it immediately. Yep. Um, it's already been rehabbed for less than $50,000. Yeah. You know? And then Section 8, we have uh, in Michigan, there's 30,000 voucher holders waiting for placement. So, so the Section 8 program is the gov- government-subsidized housing. 30,000 people that need houses because we have such a housing shortage in Michigan. Yeah. So you, you may not get the appreciation in the Flint area, but you can get immediate cash on cash return. Gotcha. You okay. Know, um, you can, you know, you put, uh, so most mortgages you can't get for under hundreds, but they have, you know, they have for under a hundred thousand. Um, but they have multifamilies. So three, four units in Flint area for right around a hundred thousand. You can rent for section eight. All of those would be 800 plus. So if you get a, a four unit for $100,000, you're only putting in 20%, depending on what program you're able to get, um, 20 or less, $1,000 into a $100,000 house. And you're going to cash flow immediately. You'll be bringing in about 24 to 3,200 a month yeah. on your $20,000 invest- investment while leveraging the other 80,000 of that property. And let me understand this real quick, because this is important, right? Because we, we deal with a lot of people that are from a lot of different communities and, and that are always a little bit scared of sort of that investment when it comes to collecting revenue in uh, maybe more, uh, I'm trying to be politically correct by saying this, maybe a little bit more high um, risk areas, right? Right, right? But with this type of program, that's, that's guaranteed money. Guaranteed money. Um, all through COVID, every person that owned a Section 8 uh, house, housing got paid 
you know, because they had that uh, rent moratorium where some people didn't pay their rent and didn't have to. Uh, so they, they kept going. The, uh, what's good about, the, um, about Section 8 is you still get to vet them just like a normal tenant. Right. So you don't have to let, just because you open it up to Section 8, you don't have to let anyone that has a Section 8 voucher in. You still can vet them, make sure that they don't have any evictions, that they don't have any foreclosures, that they're not felons, they're not sex gotcha. offenders. Just somebody on hard times that right. requires a little extra yeah. assistance. So. Right. Yeah. Um, I have one, one Section 8 tenant in my five unit in Columbiaville who she's just elderly and right. can't afford. Okay, and, fair enough. And so the government pays 75% of her rent. She pays 25%. I have another tenant in my Richmond property that was, was homeless. Yeah, and she she fell on hard times. Her house burned down, and she was homeless, living in a hotel. And the government's like, "Hey, we'll help you get back on your feet." And she, uh, you know, I think it's important to make that uh, make that understood because I think sometimes when we think about that type of housing, we're also thinking about kind of being a slumlord, right? right? Yeah, and, that's, yeah, that's unfortunately the stigma right. that people think of. And having grown up in government subsidized housing, I there there's obviously there's some good, and there's or obviously some bad, but there's there's more good people. Yeah. in this world than there are bad. Yeah, and I agree, and I, I just think it was worth pointing out because I think it yeah. scares a lot of people away from wanting to invest in certain areas because they're afraid that there's no return on that type of investment. But by the way you're making it sound, that's actually one of the more secure investments out yeah, there. Yeah, if you're, if you're worried and you don't want to have to you know, set up uh, uh, renting, you know, doing showings and a lot of that stuff, you yeah. just, once, you, once you are... And with this, you know, Section 8 people, if you have a unit come open or you buy a brand new unit, you just message them, say, hey, I got a unit. Do you have anybody you need to place? Send oh, them, I got you. Send them my information and we can I'll, I'll vet them. And they'll, they'll send you a list of people. So and, it's like built-in customers even. Right. You've already got people right. essentially 30, walking through the 30, door of your 30, business. 30,000 yeah. people looking for homes. And just I just looked up one the other day for an investor that's buying a two-bedroom in Flint for $30,000. The Section 8 voucher on that is 820 a month. Three times his mortgage. Yeah. She won't even have a mortgage. Right. You know, and she instantly yeah. will be cash flowing 800 And she can, that's just what Section 8 is willing to pay. She can list the house at 1000 or 1200 and then the tenant would just has to pay the difference. So if they're somewhat working and have Section 8, it, it still works. And you can right. still get top top dollar for it. you don't have to do it at section eight rates gotcha gotcha so that's can, kind of open-ended for you to determine right. that you know it, it i guess kind of getting back to the idea that investing and in how scary it is for some people because it, it is for, honestly it is for me and it, you're putting my mind at ease a little more and i'm sure over the course of the next year of doing this show more than likely you'll probably talk me into my first you, investment you, property. by the time yeah. a year from now you will have an investment property yeah what, i can what, guarantee you that and i can see that <laughs> happening already i can <laughs> But what's, uh, you know, I guess one of the things that I think I run into kind of like those, what you hear on the street, right? I think that corrupts a lot of people in the way they think about investment properties. You think, oh, the, the market's dropping, the housing market's dropping, right? But a guy like me would just assume, well, if that's going in the wrong direction or, or whatever direction that might be in, does it really matter? Is it, I mean, I get it that that kind of affects everything else because people start worrying about gas prices, worrying about this, worrying about mm -hmm. inflation. I mean, I get it that you have to be in a good position sometimes to do this, but the way you're making it sound is you just need to be in a position. You don't yes. necessarily have to be in a great position. Right. The, the, there's a, a saying in the real estate investing world, the best time to buy a real estate property or real estate property is today. Yeah. It doesn't matter what anything okay. else is going on yeah. because 
if you look at a property and say, you know what, I'm going to wait three months to buy that property. You lost three months of revenue on that property. You lost three months of appreciation on that property. You lost three months of your tenants paying down that mortgage on that property. And you know, the interest rates, yeah, they're a little high right now. And in 2023, 2024, they're expecting to come back down to the mid fives, but you can always buy and then refinance. Right. You know, and literally the money, the, the interest that whether it's 7%, 18%, your tenants, when you do the math, your tenants are the ones that are paying the interest rate. So it really doesn't matter, you know, what the interest rate is. As long as you are cash flowing on that property, you are making out. You, yeah. It's not coming out of your pocket, essentially. Well, I, I think another kind of maybe a misconception is or, or kind of the way that people view uh, and this is just sort of people from my perspective that view sort of investment properties. We hear that that phrase investment properties or investing in property or, or buildings or whatever we want to call it, right, or whatever I would call it. You, you've got a more specific lane to it all. We always hear the flippy, right? You want to flip. It's, it's this uh, culture we live in. Well, the, like the flips. Yeah. Um, so right now is actually not the best time for flipping. But that's really not what we're talking about here. No, no. I mean, I, to be I'm, clear, right? I am not a flipper. I, yeah. I, I do what's called buy and hold. Yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted to define. Yes. Okay. I, I buy and hold. I, I buy a property. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to uh, pull my money out of it. I'm going to raise you know, the um, equity in the property and then pull my money out. So eventually I have nothing in it. At all. So I, let's I talk about the long and short term of that, okay. right? So a guy that flips a house the way I understand it, you know, you, you get a house at a good price. You, you do as little as you can to it to give it, put a little lipstick on a pig. Uh, essentially, you sell it. You yes. take the equity, you put it in your pocket. Right. That's the short term of it. Yes, that's, that's yeah. Basically, flippers, what they do is they look for, they try and buy a house at 70% of the after repair value, ARV, 70% of what they think it'll be worth minus the repair cost. So they're looking to buy properties. You know, if it's if it's a property that would be a hundred thousand dollars, they'll take and it needs ten thousand dollars of work. They won't pay more than sixty thousand for it. Gotcha. Essentially, yeah. so that's um, but they're that's a lot hard work and it's not really it's not a good. I don't like it as investing. Right, there's nothing because, wrong with it, but from no, what I'm kind of gathering from what right. you're telling me is that the flipping aspect of it, yeah, it's a short-term reward, but right. the, what you're talking about, we're talking about exponential earning. Right, here. I'm creating generational wealth. Gotcha. I'm creating okay. something that yeah. I will retire on because I'll have that monthly income, you know, um, and then my son, when I, ret- when I retire, I can give him the units and he can just pay me a portion of it, or when I, when I die, he'll be willed everything. And so now he's getting that, those, whatever many units I have, if I have 50, 60, 70, 100 units, he'll take over that portfolio and then he'll have that generational wealth to build and build for his kids and his family. Yeah. And then, you know. I like that generational wealth because I think sometimes, it, it, and not to say that it, you can't create wealth through, and I'm not arguing flipping, you and I have no doubt right. are going to talk about that to some extent in the future as well. But really, that's what we're talking about here is building generational yes. wealth. Because ultimately, when you buy and hold, right? Yes. Is that what you said? Buy and hold. That essentially what you're doing then is you're you're just having these properties work for you forever. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm making money when I sleep. Yeah. Right. And between my two properties, I'm generating about eight thousand a month in profit. Yep. And I spend ten minutes a month thinking about them. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Gives plenty of time to work out in the gym. Right. <laughs> I, I spend way more time work on the gym than yeah. I do. Right. Yeah. Them. And that's and that's a, a passion job. You know. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I make 
pretty good money with the gym, but it's not like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do it because I love it. Yeah, well, you love, love it more because you don't have to do it, right. I think, is a better way to yes, put it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah you, if that went to shit, you still got this great sort of uh, business that you've built for yourself and investment yeah. properties where it just makes that other thing so much more fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not stressing it. Yes. Not stressing keeping yep. the lights on. Yep. Yeah. So where do you think, uh, you know, to, to our listeners out there, as I'm sort of, uh, you know, co-hosting this with you today, because in the future I'm just going to be sitting here with a pen and paper and just writing all the <laughs> shit down that I'm hearing – uh, talk about the direction of the show as far as the things that we're going to do here uh, in kind of in order of events kind of thing. I know guests are going to be a big part of that. Yeah. But what are the kind of things that you're going to cover uh, in general as far as like what our listeners can anticipate? Okay. So what, what, I, what I envision this show to be is a show where you know, we're going to talk to investors in different markets. They're going to tell us about their markets that they invest in because every investor generally has one market that they target whether it's a one that's close to their home so they can see the properties or whether they're long distance in you know, different states and okay. stuff like that. Um, so we're going to talk about how they find their properties. We're going to talk about what numbers, what they like to see. Like I, when I buy a property, I want to see that I'm going to get three to $500 per door. That's yeah. my goal. Gotcha. Okay. And I, thankfully, I'm, I'm far uh, past that on both my properties. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then... They'll they'll be able to uh, they'll tell us um, you know, like I said why why they're in that area what they look for do they manage it themselves are they using a property manager you know t- kind of talk about how they run their program how they get their um, pay what apps they use stuff like that you know and then uh, also talk about what sport they compete in and how it correlates to what they're investing in and just generally get to know their sport and what it looks like for, you know, eight, 12, 10 weeks out from a competition, whether they're doing CrossFit or they're doing strongman or yeah. they're doing powerlifting. I want to know how they train. I, you know, there's a part of me. Get that, in the mind of this person. Right. Yeah. yeah. I want to yeah. know, you know, when they're, you know, I'm doing bodybuilding, are they one of the people that like to do cardio two times a day or are they doing, you know, more weights and you know, are they, you know, are they old school bodybuilders? Are they knew what, what type of supplements are, what they're taking because you know, this I, all correlates to their mindset when it comes to what they're investing in. and that's really what that's the type of connection mindset, we're trying yeah, to draw i, want, right? I want to hear the mindset that they're in yeah and how the competitive competitiveness correlates between the two well and i think that's an interesting well, at least we both think it's interesting that's why we're doing it <laughs> right. but but i like it because if you think about the mindset of that uh just like there's different paths in sport whatever that is, right? I'm thinking football players too, right? We're talking about people that may have some disposable income. And I'm really curious because I think we all are too, right? We're going to have guests on that are are professional athletes that uh, have had a lot of success in their sport that find themselves now doing other things with that and making these investments. What I find most interesting because I think as fans and and spectators, we often wonder, what do these people do with their money? And, And what makes them continue to have the success they have? It all starts with the type of discipline they had. That goes without right. saying. Sean McHugh is a good friend of mine. You know Sean McHugh probably yeah. from RPG, uh, ex-Pittsburgh Steelers, Super Bowl guy. Also, uh, you know, he, he's that guy now, I think, investing, as a matter of fact. Is he? I think so. Well, that, get him on I think show, he's then. working for a, a company, but okay. he's that guy. Right? We're going to get him on the show. Yeah, definitely. Because Sean is a smart guy, but he's carried that same di- – we had this briefly. It's funny that you and I are talking because uh, briefly when I interviewed Sean on one of my other shows, we talked, just touched upon it. 
that his discipline sort of in what he went through in sport, the way he trained, the way he applied himself is no different now than the way he applies himself in his investing. Yep. So to me, that's super cool. And that, and I love that's what I've learned along my investing journey yeah. from other investors that are in sports or competing is it, it's there it directly feeds it's related yeah and you know another reason i love it brian because sometimes this shit could get boring and be great to hear somebody else's story right right yeah. i mean that's what's fun that's about what, it. that's what having yeah. guests on yeah is, absolutely you, know? and you can yeah. build on you build your knowledge base you know because I'll, I'll be we'll have guests on here that are far past what i'm doing investing yeah and i'm gonna learn from them i'm gonna learn about their market and hey you know maybe i want to do a uh a long distance uh and the market property. is kind of their sport isn't it right, and yeah. what we're talking about right, here exactly i mean everybody's market's kind of their sport and where they came from and no i i think there's a lot to be learned from everybody for sure but are we also going to get on other things right let's just say we're talking about investing from a real estate perspective as we're going to talk about not just in commercial real estate right but i'm sure all this is applicable to residential as well right 100 right? most most people start with residential properties okay single family homes yeah that's I, uh, Flint is great for buying single family homes and then just renting them out. You're not, again, you're not going to appreciate very much, but you're going to get great cash flow. The cash flow in Flint, Saginaw, Detroit, Bay City is insane. How well, how much cash flow you can get from a $30,000 property. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And some people think that's a risky investment, but the way you kind of just spelled it out without going into too much detail, because that sounds like a great topic for another show, uh, our show that is, yes. uh, but that could go into a two hour talk about how the best way to uh, accomplish those goals within sort of that marketplace. Right. Uh, it sounds like it's pretty easy to do. It is. And I think that's what I'm getting from my first conversation with you about this stuff. Real, like, what real are we waiting so long for? Is way easier than what you think. It's not nearly as complicated. And you don't need a license to do it, right? I mean, right. You, you, don't. you don't. You don't. I don't need to be an investor and have a, nope. a license or a degree to do this shit. Nope, not at all. And you know, you can. Uh, one, of the, one of the cool things is you can be a wholesaler, and what that is is like a wholesaler will send out five hundred cards, uh, letters to people, and just say, "Hey, you know, I see your house is in disrepair, you know, whatever, or see you're behind on your taxes. Let me let me sell your house for you," and then they take. You know, they find out what the bottom line is. Then they go to a bunch of investors, say, "Hey, I got this house at under market value. They want eighty thousand. We, I believe, the value of it's one hundred and twenty. Give me a hundred thousand, and so then everybody wins. The how the homeowner gets their taxes paid off, gets the mortgage paid off. They get out without having a foreclosure on them. The wholesaler made twenty grand because he just upped it a hundred for his time. And then the per, the investor buying it." automatically has 20,000 equity in the house and then can start renting it out. So it's all kind of cyclical in a way. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's, and there's so many different avenues to get into real estate investing that, I mean, we'll, we'll hit each kind of each one. Yeah. yeah I'm shows. hoping we do. Yeah. And I'm also thinking that as, as, as I need to remind myself because of what you said, the important key to all this until you figure it out is to find that relationship with somebody that allows you. Right to understand it better without thinking you have this big learning curve. Right. I know already I feel good about you sitting in front of me because if I need that help, I'm not going to make a mistake because uh, certainly you have right. it now. You're not going to allow me to make or exactly. certainly make you're, the same mistake right. twice. If, if you're looking at a deal, if somebody comes to you with an off-market deal and says, hey, Joe, I got this, you're going to automatically, oh, let me send this over to Brian and see what he says. Right, gotcha. You know, and, that, and that's yeah. what having that person, the real estate investor agent in your corner yeah. can do for you is, is going to evaluate. So, you know what, Joe? Actually... Uh, I just had somebody come to me with one for Flint the other day. And they're like, you know, there's, oh, this is going to be a great area. I said, well, what are they doing to bring investment into this area? What's going to drive up right, the rents? Right, right, right. He's like, yep. well, 
I haven't heard anything. I said, so why are you wanting to overpay for this house? Because the, the house was a little bit. <sighs> yeah. It's like, yeah. so you're, you're, you think that that's going to go up, but it's, you can't buy on what you future predict. You buy on what is now. The numbers yes. today is what you buy your investment property on. You don't look in the future and say, well, you know, next year I'll be able to make this. It's going to appreciate to this. No, we don't. We all do that, though, don't we? And, yeah. and maybe that's the talk off the ledge because we try to make these emotional buys. Yes. Because I, I go drive through my hometown and go, oh, isn't this cute? Boy, that would be great to own that. Yeah. And I get it. It's great to be that investor, but you're right. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of more of emotional purchases yeah. out there that probably right. need you to have, be. With investing, it's all about the numbers and what they say. Yeah. If math is math, right? Math is math. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Yeah. No matter how big your idea is, <laughs> right. you know, yep. yeah, the doors could be closing or other. And, yep. and that, of course, is the decision that I think we all often see that happen. At least we think we do. And there's often a bigger story behind it. It was just a poor investment at, the, at a bad location, at a bad time, at a bad opportunity, or a bad person in your corner giving you bad advice. Yeah. Yeah, it's never generally all the intangibles are working, and right. all of a sudden it just fails out right. of chance. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. sound like no, this is a chance business. It's not at all. Yeah, it's, you know, you don't. It's you don't guess. Yeah, you don't hope. It's these numbers say this works. Let's do it. These numbers don't work. We're gonna walk. And I, I think that's important to note, really. And I, I hope all of our listeners are, are taking that in because just like I just did, because it's a scary proposition to invest in property when you have so much on the line when it comes to family and taking care of your responsibilities that I think a lot of people tend to get that sort of feeling like if this doesn't go well, it can affect the rest of my life, but there's yeah. protections against that as well. Aren't yep, there? there is. And that's one reason why you do an LLC. Yeah. So that way you don't have to, you, it kind of shelters you from some of the, some of the yeah. problems. Yep. Um, and then, you know, if you're doing like, if you're starting, most people start small. With investing in like Flint or even house hacking, a lot of, you know, house hacking is a great way to get into it as well. You, where you buy a house, and like say if you're a single person, you buy a house, you rent out two, three of the bedrooms, they pay your mortgage, and then you just put that mortgage aside. Yeah, a real easy way to do it. You're living the, you're right. right. I got you're you. Living there for free now. Now it's a way to start getting ahead. Yeah. Or um, a live and flip, where instead of like doing the flip quick turnover. You live in it for two, three years, so you don't have to pay the capital gains. Capital tax, gains, okay. And you're you're rehabbing it while you live in there, and then you sell it, and all the money you paid into it, you get to pull out, and you make your profit. And but it's safe to say all these things that you're mentioning on how to make money off real estate investing, it needs to come with a plan. Yeah, because you're not you just going to buy a house, get in a house, go. Mm, I think I'm going to live and flip. Right. Yeah, it has to be on the agenda, have, right? right? You have to have an exit strategy. You have to have an implement implementation. Just yeah. like when you get on stage for bodybuilding, you know, you don't just two weeks out say, you know, I'm going to do this bodybuilding. <laughs> right, right. Gotcha. You know, it's, yeah. you're, you're looking months out. You're like, okay, I'm, this is the one I want. I'm going to start tapering my diet here. I'm going to start doing, adding this cardio in. I'm going to do weights this yeah. day. And then that's the same with investing is you have to have every key in place and think about every, your exit plan, what you're going to do. You know, you get off the stage of bodybuilding. If you just start eating everything for three weeks, you blow up and you... You know, it's hard. You know, you kill your metabolism. You have to do refeed properly. You have to do everything. Yeah. Just, just like after you close close on the property, you have to do everything mm. by steps. Yeah. In yeah. order to to reap the rewards. And yeah. To keep 
where you can go go to the next one. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that how we correlate, and uh, you know, certainly certain mindsets can do that. And I can. Yeah. I see that all <laughs> relates to me. So that's beautiful yeah. because I know. Listen, you're talking to a bunch of dummies like you are me out right. there, and I'm telling you. Of course, there's a lot of uh, smart investors as well is going to be tuned into this just because of the success you've had. And listen, like you said, when we get guests in front of us that have had some big success, which I know we will, and we've got some of those people slated already. Uh, yeah, just get the pen and paper ready, right? Right. I exactly. mean, I see your angle here. I totally yeah, see your I'm, angle. I'm 100. <laughs> I am. I I am a, a, always yeah. a student. Always, I love learning. You know, I read books. I listen to podcasts myself. I'm always trying to learn more and to know what's going on in the market and what's going on in the gym world. You know, what's the latest science on muscle hypertrophy? You know, it's yeah. Both both those those are my worlds. They are your worlds, <laughs> legitimately, right down the middle. Those are yeah. your worlds. Yeah, as we'll be talking a, a lot about that as well. Well, listen, I think that's a really good way to sort of end this show because okay. this is the prelude show to a much bigger show. And all the stuff that we have going on, and we're going to start our IG page and get all that stuff going and get people pointing in our direction because we're going to have a lot of great guests on to do that. Um, and this show, of course, is going to be the, 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 the strength of investing. Yes. And I like it. That works out well. The sport of investing. The sport of investing. Just yes. to be clear. See, we're trying to sort right. it out between yes. us. What yeah. sounds better? I, I like the sport of investing. You're because, right. Because yeah. we're talking about all sports. Yes. You know, we're going to talk to Olympic weightlifters. We're going to talk to marathon runners. We're going to talk to Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitors, you know. Yeah. Anyone that is actively pursuing competition along with investing. Sport, along yeah. with investing. Yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of those people right. out there because exactly. it's a small and, part and of who we are. They don't necessarily have to be real estate investors. I, I don't I want to talk to entrepreneurs that are buying small businesses yeah. or, you know, getting their mindsets, getting their brains, you know, cuz I have a small business. I want to know, know more about that. So we don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be restricted to real estate. You know, as long as, because again, same mindset when you take over a business, when you buy, yeah. you know, there's, you know, uh, sites where you can buy a subway for like $30,000. Okay. You know, geez. And, all right. Now you're speaking yeah. my language. Right. Yeah. You know, it's food. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like uh, there's a couple of anytime fitnesses right now for sale that are listed at 100, $195,000. Right. One, like one in Livonia. Yeah, it's like so. Me having I bought an Anytime Fitness out and removed all of the franchise crap and made it my own strongman yeah. powerlifting gym, and um, so I would look at those and say, okay, what would I have to do to get those into my portfolio? You know. Yeah. Um, so so essentially, the show in general is I'm kind of now grasping onto your concepts, right? I'm I'm I'm, I'm feeding my energy right now because I'm loving what I'm hearing. Uh, is uh, it's just really exactly what we say, the sport of investing. Yes. The portfolio. Yes. I love that word portfolio. That's great. I think it's everybody a wants a portfolio. Yes. You know, besides the one you buy before school and just put paperwork in, you <laughs> right. want it to mean something, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. I love a portfolio, that. A portfolio is generational wealth yeah. that's going to service you, service your family, or your kids, service your grandkids, service their kids, their grandkids, and it's just going to be right down the line for generations. That's yeah. that's. That's what I'm building, generational wealth. Uh, and that's, that, that's what I want to help every single person I know build generational wealth. Yeah, because it, it, the rising, rising tide rises all ships, that's and we right, all benefit from it, 100%. right? I think that's a great way to look at it. Yep. You can't own everything, can't be nope. greedy, nope. but if the community is doing what we're doing or you're doing, right. that I'm soon going to be doing, then it rises all of our ships right. together. Exactly. So. Yeah. We're, we're all in this together. Yeah, I love so it. Let's all, let's all make our lives better. The sport of investing. 
um, yeah, I can't wait. And we're going to get this going about once every two weeks. Yeah. Does that sound good? The go- uh, yeah, schedule. The and I know we're going to get that schedule put out to you guys. So be ready to look for a sport of investing on YouTube, on Instagram, uh, on Facebook. We'll have these on all sound platforms as well. We're working on a studio right now that's going to be a lot more uh, friendly. Uh, and, and hopefully uh, we'll get a, a few more people in and we'll have some fun with that. Like you said, no matter who they are. Uh, and I'm ready to learn. So thanks for uh, starting this off with me, Brian. Because the next one, bro, all I'm going to do is be talking and asking questions you're taking it from there sounds good man all right well we'll see you later from the sport of investing brian and joe we're out of here